The following is a teaching from Church of the Redeemer. We pray that you will be blessed by this teaching. Today I'm going to start a new series of messages that actually is a part of a bigger series we've been involved in since September. I want to talk to you for the next several weeks, actually, as we go into the month of June, even through May and June, uh, continuing through this series entitled, I Will Reset. Say it with me, I Will Reset. When you came into relationship with Jesus Christ, there is a promise that was given to you in Jesus. It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus himself said, the thief, that's the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants you to experience the more abundant life, a life that is full and rich and abundant. For us to experience this abundant life, there are decisions that we have to make. It doesn't happen to you automatically. There are things that you have to do in the process. You have to lean into God to get from God, to experience all that God has for you. There are things that you and I have to do. We have to make the right choices. And throughout this series, this broader series over the years, starting back in September of 2016, we started talking about the decision that I will not settle for less. God made me for more. Then we moved to the next decision. I will go deeper, how to establish some deeper roots in your life. And then we moved to the first of the year, I will grow stronger. And then we just concluded a series a couple of weekends ago, I will overcome. And now the final installment of this broader Made for More series is I will reset. The word reset is an important word. It's a word that ta- it's really speaks of something starting again or to set something up again, to restore something. Perhaps the best way to illustrate the word reset is in the technological area of your life. Most of you utilize computers or smartphones or iPads or things of that nature. And you will find that from time to time that that computer or that device will need a restart. It will need a reset. It will need a rebooting, if you will. And there's something that happens in the rebooting process. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but something happens that brings the system back into a refreshing place. It kind of gets back things back in order again. And I know that here in my own experience here at the church, that from time to time when I will have a computer issue and I'll call someone that helps us with IT and I'll say, you know, I've got this issue. And the first question they always ask me is, have you restarted? And so I've learned now I don't even call them until I've restarted. Because I know that's the first question they're going to ask. Have you rebooted? Have you restarted? Have you reset the system? Because there's something that just sort of, I don't know, for me as uh, someone that doesn't understand the hardware and software element of things, it's just something magical that happens when you reboot. And I want you to know that in your life with God, that if you're going to grow in your relationship with God, you need to learn something about resetting. Because I will tell you that throughout your life, you're going to need some reboots along the way. If you don't learn how to reboot, if you don't learn how to reset, you're going to be in trouble because I promise you that because of life, because of the devil's influence in your life, because of all kinds of things that we're dealing with as believers, you have to learn how to get back to a fresh operating system. And if you don't learn how to get back to the fresh operating system, you're going to be in trouble and you'll continue to drift and it will lead you to, to places that are not good in life. And so that's why I want to talk to you about how do you manage your life? How do you reset your life? And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at some of those elements, some of those things that you need to learn how to reset. Next weekend, I'm going to talk about resetting your emotions. How do you do that? We'll talk about resetting your relationships. We'll talk about resetting even your finances. We'll talk about resetting your energy and your work. All of these things are things that you have to learn to manage throughout your life, and you have to learn how to reset them. Today, I want to share with you really an introductory lesson 
But nevertheless, a very important lesson for you today. I want to talk to you about eight times in your life that you will definitely need a reset. And the reason I'm giving this to you is because I want to make you aware of these particular eight moments or eight seasons of your life that you need to, as you go forward, always be on the lookout. When something like this happens in your life, you need to know, okay, as this has occurred, I need a reset. And so you need to know how, when, and how to reset. So let me share these eight things with you. First of all, you and I need resets when debilitating mistakes have been made. Mistakes are part of life. We all make them. How many of you would just uh, start with me today and say you made a mistake last week? Anybody want to raise your hand? Okay. The rest of you are making a mistake right now because you're lying. Okay. How many of you would say that even as, as much as today, you probably already made a mistake? Hopefully not in the last hour, 45 minutes, you've been in church. But that notwithstanding, we all make mistakes. Life is a, a part of living life is you never always get everything right all the time. That's just a part of the journey, okay? And so if you don't learn how to reset when you make a mistake, you're going to be in trouble because mistakes can really take you down. Now, some mistakes are minor they kind of like sort of a blip on the radar screen of life. Other mistakes are, can be more serious, but mistakes happen. Mistakes come in the form of just a bad judgment at a point in time, or a mistake happens because of a sin that you commit. Mistakes happen in lots of different ways, but mistakes do happen to us. One of the reasons that your computer will need to be reset at times is because of something called user error. When the user makes an error, then you've messed up something in your system and you need to reboot it because the user made an error. And sometimes in your own life, when you make an error along the way, you have to reboot, you have to reset. Let me tell you a story in just a moment. We'll read some verses out of John chapter 21 that will help us to understand the beautiful truth that Jesus loves to reset people who've made mistakes. Isn't that good to know? Peter was a very bold disciple. He was the kind of guy that was always talking about how good he was going to be and all the things he was going to do. He was a bit on the prideful side, if not a lot on the prideful side. He had some arrogance about him, and it really showed up when he was with, his, uh, with Jesus at the Last Supper when Jesus said, Peter, I know something about you, and in the next few hours before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, no way. I'll die for you, Jesus. I never will ever, ever, ever deny you. We'll never do that. And of course, you know the story that in just a matter of a few hours, Peter did what he said he would never do. He said that he, in those moments, when confronted with whether he knew Jesus, Peter denied Jesus three times, not once, but three times. Think about that. The Bible says that after that, Peter ran out of that garden environment, wherever he was, that environment he was in, he left and he wept bitterly because he realized that he'd made a really big mistake. From everything that we can tell in Scripture, Peter continued for a period of time to struggle with this. He continued to feel inadequate about this. He continued to feel like maybe he just wasn't ready again for this discipleship thing, this follower of Jesus thing. And so he was dealing with his own guilt and shame relative to this. And so Jesus intervened in his life to bring him back, to reset him. And that happened at the Sea of Galilee. Let me take you now to, to John chapter 21. I'll begin in verse number one and read down through verse seven, and then we'll read a bit more as well. So this is after Peter's failure. He's struggling with this whole issue. And it says that afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told him. Let me stop there for a moment. What had Peter done before he became a disciple of Jesus? What was he? He was a 
fishermen. So he was returning to what he did before. I'm just going back to do that. I don't think I can do this disciple thing anymore. Maybe I'm just sort of not adequate for this. I mean, after all, note what I did. I denied Jesus three times. I'm going out to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. By the way, this was the resurrected Jesus, okay? He's alive now, so the resurrected Christ is there. He called to them, friends, I love that word, don't you? Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. How many know that Jesus can make an unfruitful life fruitful? Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off. And what did he do? He jumped into the water. He could not get to Jesus fast enough. He said, this boat's way too slow. I can swim faster than this. I need to get to him because he's my future. And that is what happened. Jesus prepared breakfast for them on the Sea of Galilee, on the seashore. And the Bible says that when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? These representing the fish that he was fishing. I believe that's the, that's the that's the connecting point there. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The, what's the word there? The third time, don't go past that. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the, what word is repeated there in that verse? Third. Twice in that one verse, the word third is repeated. Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. What I would encourage you to do beside those verses on your notes or when you read them is write in really big, bold letters, reset. Right there in that moment, Jesus pressed the reset button in Peter's life. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus allow Peter to reaffirm his love for him? Three times. And so there in that moment, there was a resetting. Peter was already forgiven, but he needed the reset in his soul. When you make mistakes in your life, know that you can go to Jesus and he is the one who helps you to experience deep level resets and restoration. That's why 1 John 1 verse 9 is so powerful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number two, you need a reset when your attitudes or perspectives have been contaminated. Attitudes are the way you think. I'll give you a moment to write this down because I want you to get this definition. Look up once you've gotten it written down, if you will. Just like to be a good teacher this morning. Get all your, your, your eye focus here and, of course, all across the campuses as well. What is an attitude? An attitude is the way you think. That's where it starts. An attitude is a thought in your, it's here in your mind that affects the way you feel and affects then the way you relate, respond, and react, okay? It starts with a thought that produces an emotion 
that produces a change or an impact upon your relating, your responding, and your reacting. And I want you to know something, that your attitudes can be contaminated. Your attitudes can be poisoned. Your thinking can be contaminated. Your thinking can be poisoned. Your perspective on something can be warped. Your perspective can be poisoned. In computer terms, it's known as a virus. It's known as malware that gets in your system, right? Something invades your system, and because of maybe an unfiltered moment, an unfiltered, maybe you downloaded a file you should not have downloaded, whatever the case might have been, maybe innocently enough, but something was downloaded in your system, and there's a virus that's there. There's malware that got attached to your system, and so there's a reboot that is needed. And so we have to understand that our attitudes can get poisoned. Our attitudes can be contaminated. I've watched it with people over the years, I've watched people get a contaminated or poisoned mindset. And when you get a poisoned or contaminated mindset or perspective, if you don't deal with it, it will take you down. It will lead you down a very ugly path. Notice what the Bible says about this. Paul makes reference to it in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, or the record of Paul's ministry makes, makes, makes mention of it. At Iconium, that was a city that was located in modern-day Turkey, Paul and Barnabas, this is on his first preaching journey, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogues. That's what they would do. Go into a town, go to the synagogues, and there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. So they went to the synagogue and they preached the gospel. But the Jews who refused to believe, so there were some there that didn't believe, those who refused to believe, what did they do? They stirred up the other Gentiles and read the rest with me. And what did they do? Poison their minds. So you see your mind can be poisoned. Poison their minds against their brothers. You can have things in your mind that poison you. Things in your mind that are absolutely not even true. But they're controlling your life because they found a place inside of you. That's why Paul talks of this in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5. That we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And he describes these strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. A pretension is what you presume to be true. Okay? Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, that is the truth of God. And then he says what we need to do is take captive every, what's that word there? Thought to make it obedient to Christ. One of the amazing stories that illustrates the impact of a poisoned perspective on a person's life is found in Matthew 25. You can make the reference there. It's not on your notes. It's Matthew 24, 25, verses 24 and 25. It's a story of... Jesus and giving three guys uh, talents <clears throat> or uh, gifts, if you will. And you might remember the story that the, the, actually it's the story of a master giving three sets of gifts to, to his servants. And to one he gave five talents, to one he gave two, and to another he gave one. The man with five talents went out and doubled what he had. And Jesus comes back, or the master comes back, says, well done, good and faithful servant. The man with two uh, duplicates his or multiplies his with two more in Jesus or the master says good and faithful servant and faithful in a few things make you ruler over many but the guy with one anybody remember what the guy with one did what did he do he hid it in the earth you know why he hid it in the earth because he had a bad perspective of his master he said I knew you were a hard man well the master was not a hard man at all I mean look how good he was he blessed and anointed and, and brought blessing to the two that multiplied and so because he said I had a thought about you in my mind and the thought that he had about his master drove his behavior, okay? And he said, I hid it in the earth because I thought you were a hard and mean man. 
He let his thought about his master affect his behavior. What you must understand is what's in your mind can deeply affect your life. And so when your attitudes get poisoned, it's extremely important that you hit the reset button. How do you hit the reset button? Well, I believe there are, one of the ways you do that is, first of all, by acknowledging your need for this and asking God for his grace and help to do it. I love the psalmist prayer in Psalm 51, verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And then he made this statement, and renew a right spirit within me. Notice it's not just a clean heart, but what else is it? A right spirit. Say it with me. Clean heart, right spirit. So those two goes together. You can't just say, I want a clean heart, but you have a clean heart and a right spirit. So we hit the reset button when our attitudes have been contaminated. Number three, when hurts have happened in your life. Human hurts happen a lot of different ways. You and I get hurt by people. We get hurt by circumstances. We get hurt by losses in life or disappointments or things that we had hoped would happen and didn't happen. And so hurts come our way. And anytime you're hurt, you're in a vulnerable, dangerous place. Because hurt can either lead you to great growth or hurt can lead you down a path of, of really a lot, a lot more pain and, and destruction in your life. And so what you do with your hurt is very important. So when you're hurt, you need to be on guard when you're hurt because that's when you, boom, you need to hit that reset button. If you don't, you're going to be in trouble. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So when you get hurt, be careful that you don't let it progress into bitterness. Hit the reset button. And you do that through forgiveness, through letting go, by moving on, moving forward. You don't let the pain and the hurts in your life damage and control you and dictate what your future is going to be. The next one, number four, you need to hit the reset button when your good habits have been neglected. The good thing about good habits is that they're an incredible blessing in your life, but here's the reality. Sometimes we get sloppy in our habits, don't we? Is it true? Sometimes we just get sloppy with our habits. We had a good habit, we get sloppy in it. We get sloppy in our spiritual habits. We get sloppy in our mental habits. We get sloppy in our work habits. We get sloppy in our physical habits. We can get sloppy in our habits. And when we, we are not as diligent with our habits, good habits as we used to be, and we recognize that what do we do? We hit the reset button. I need to reset these habits in my life. And you and I both can slip from good habits. And the Apostle Paul talked about how hard he worked to keep the right habits in his life, good habits in his life. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. Why don't we read this one together aloud and loudly, and if you'll read across all the campuses with me, that will be wonderful. Here we go. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul said, I realize that if I'm not careful, I'll get sloppy, Okay. If I get sloppy, man, I'm really in trouble. So I have to discipline my body like an athlete. And I have to train my body continually to do what it should do. And so keeping good, strong spiritual habits and good, strong mental habits and good, strong work habits and emotional habits and physical habits, these are vital to your life. And when you veer from that, when you drift from that, hit the reset button. For some of you, that's the very thing that you need to do today. Number five. You need a reset when wise instructions have been ignored. I 
I want you to think with me about the last time you bought something at a store that required assembly. It came to your house, you brought it home with you, or it showed up on your doorstep, and you looked at it, it's a box full of parts, okay? And you realize, oh, I gotta put this together. And if you're like me, as soon as I open the box and lay the parts that I think, I got this, I can do this, okay? I'm a man, okay? I can do this. Where's the screwdriver, where's the, ha- where's the hammer? I can put this together. Instructions, no, I don't need the instructions, okay? I can figure this out. And about halfway to three quarters of the way through, I've got like extra parts. It's looking really weird, okay? It's like, I don't think that's the way that table is supposed to look, okay? I think it's supposed to be level, not crooked. I think, you know, something's wrong with this. And of course, that's when I have to hit the reset button. And the reset button is where are the instructions? And you go back and you look at the instructions. You're like, oh my goodness, you know what? I didn't even follow the right order here. I was trying to put this together before that. And in life... There are going to be times that you're going to barrel along through life and you're going to assume that you know what you're doing when you don't, okay? And you're going to realize, oh my goodness, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I just recognized that instead of making something good, I've made a mess, right? This thing's not not what it's supposed to be looking like here. I need to get back to the instruction manual, okay? And find out what the instruction manual says. I need to hit the reset in my life. Now, the instruction manual for us as believers, I don't need to spend a lot of time on this. It's the Bible. We believe in the Bible. Amen? Okay? I believe this book is the Word of God. I have no question. I have no doubt in my mind. I'm thoroughly convinced that this is a supernatural book. This is God's love letter to me. This is God's book of instructions. With life, He sent instructions in the package. Okay? Now, does that mean I always listen to the instructions? Of course not. But as you grow in your relationship with Christ, what you begin to do is realize, I don't want to do anything until I first consult the instructions, right? It's a journey that you get on. And so when you realize that you've ignored some instructions, the good news is you can hit the reset button and get back to where you need to be. Proverbs 8 tells us this. Notice verse 32 down through verse 35. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instructions and be wise do not disregard it blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors watching in my doorway for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord so always go back to the instruction manual number six you need a reset when you become complacent and stagnant there are times when life will lull you to sleep This is called complacency. Complacency literally means to be sort of self-satisfied. You're drifting without realizing it. It's like being in a boat on a lake. You're sort of sitting there thinking that you're sitting still, but you're not. You're actually drifting in the wrong direction. And the winds of life will take you places. It'll take you to places of complacency. And complacency, note this, complacency always leads to stagnation, okay? Stagnation doesn't come first. Complacency comes first, and complacency leads to stagnation. And stagnation is when you're no longer growing. There's no life in you. That you used to be producing life, but you're not producing life anymore. You're living basically as an existence. You're not changing. You're not, you're not changing yourself. You're not positively changing anything or anybody else. And complacency is bad because it's dangerous. You can get to a lot of dangerous places when you're complacent. Now, the Apostle Paul almost 2,000 years ago, wrote some words to the believers that this, in the city of Rome that 
obviously are for us as well because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to note the, the, the attack he made on complacency. It's found in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. So he writes to these believers and he says, this is all the more, what's the next word there? You need to live your life with urgency, okay? There's an urgency, okay? It's it, one of my toughest things in working with people is to find people who are passive and lack urgency because I believe that life ought to be lived with passion and urgency, okay? This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Now, Paul said this almost 2,000 years ago referring to the end of time. He said, you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Paul says, wake up. Realize the timeliness of the times that you live in and put some urgency in your life. Don't fall prey to complacency that leads to stagnation. Stagnation, when I think of the word... My mind, for some reason, goes back to, to childhood. And I remember multiple times being in different places on farms and different places where I would uh, go fishing in or be around a pond. And oftentimes, I would be warned, don't swim in that pond. And the reason I would be warned not to swim in that pond, they would always tell me, it's stagnant water. Don't swim in that pond. It's stagnant water. What do you mean by that? It means that there's no fresh water coming in. There's no water going out. There's no life to the water. It's just a holding tank for water. And what is a holding tank for water also is a breeding ground for disease. Okay. And so don't swim in that water because it's stagnant. And what's stagnant always breeds disease. It also stinks, by the way. Have you ever been around the stagnant water? There's an odor. It attracts mosquitoes. It attracts all kind of stuff that shouldn't be there. And so, let me tell you, stagnation is not a good place to be. So if you're complacent and you're finding yourself stagnant, hit the reset button. Number seven, you need to hit the reset button when old ways no longer work. Jesus gave us a parable to help us to understand how we have this tendency to hold on to old ways uh, when they're not working anymore. Luke chapter 5, verses 36 through 39, he told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say, read the last phrase of me, the old is better. Here's the tendency for every one of us. We're always wanting to say what that last statement is. The old is better. Because none of us like to change. Okay, There's not a single one of us generally that enjoy change. Change is something that we have a tendency to resist. Now, not all change is good. Change for change's sake is not, not always good change. But there's some things in your life that need to change. Amen? There's some ways that need to change. Okay? There's some 
dimensions of who we are as people that need to change. The wineskins of our life need to change. They have to grow over time and mature and adjust as, because life is not static. Life is dynamic and there are dynamic things that are happening around us. You're not at the same place today that you were a year ago because you're, you're, you're even, even in your family or all those here, there are different dynamics that are going on now that went on a year ago. And so you have to, you've got to have some growth capacity in your life. And so Jesus used this illustration of new wine, old wine skins, and new wine skins. Let me tell you how, what this means, and then we'll move on to the last point. Okay. Back in those days, when they were when they were creating wine, they would uh, have a, a a a skin, an animal skin that became a wine skin, and so that was so sewn together and. The wine was poured into the wine skin, and then the fermentation process would happen, and uh, uh, over a period of time, that would become the container for the wine, okay? So it was, the, it was the container that allowed the fermentation as well as the distribution of the product, okay? Over time, what would happen to a wine skin is that it would, it would, just like anything else, it would deteriorate, it would get crusty, it would get kind of brittle and hard, it would, la- it would begin to lose its flexibility and, and, and capacity, okay? And so it gets very rigid and stiff and hard. And so if you took one of those old wineskins that had become rigid and stiff, and stiff and hard, and you poured new wine into it, what would happen is this, when the new wine, that's that new grape juice, began its fermentation process, it's active, isn't it? It's pushing around. There are gases that are forming and pressing against. And so the tendency, what would happen is if you put new wine in an old wineskin, is it would actually break the wineskin and the wine would be lost. So it was a double loss. You lost the wineskin and you lost the new wine, okay? And so Jesus said you put new wine into new wineskins. Now, here's another part of this that I want you to see today. This is the beautiful part to me. And I only learned this, uh, I learned this several years, a number of years ago now, but it was very refreshing to me when I learned this reality. I thought, oh my goodness, what do you do if you're an old wineskin, right? Amen? I mean, do you just like throw old wineskins away? What do you do with an old wineskin, okay? Because like, sometimes, you ever felt like an old wineskin? Come on, tell me the truth, okay? Look in the mirror sometimes, okay? See a few wrinkles, oh, old wineskin going on here, right, okay? Many times you feel like an old wineskin, and so, my goodness, does that mean I'm an, there's no hope for me? I'm just an old wineskin. I've gotten rigid in some areas. What am I going to do? Here's the beautiful part of the story. Back in those days, what they would do when an old wineskin began to become rigid and brittle instead of discarding it, what they would do is they would immerse it in a stream of water for a number of days. They would just throw it in the water and let the water run over it day after day after day. And then they would rub it down with fresh oil and they would begin to massage that old wineskin again. And that old wineskin would come back to life and what was old could become new again. Amen. Isn't that good to know? Okay. And I want you to know today, if you look in the spiritual mirror and you see far too many wrinkles, okay, if you feel like that you've gotten rigid in your spirit, you've gotten judgmental and rigid and hard in your spirit, that's not a good place to be, is it? 
But the good news is if you'll get into the stream of God, he'll wash over you with the water of his word and the water of his spirit, and he will massage you with the oil of his Holy Spirit, and the old wineskin can become a new wineskin again and a container for the new wine of God. But that's called the reset button, amen? You've got to hit the reset button, okay? Get in the stream, all right? The last thing I want to mention here today I'm excited about reset. How about you? Amen? You need a reset when life becomes overly complicated. That's probably never happened to you, has it, right? Complicated means it's difficult to analyze or understand. It's all tangled up. It's com complex, convoluted. And life sometimes becomes complicated for all of us. And when, it, when life becomes complicated, we kind of lose our our direction. It's just like, it's like a big massive string with all kind of everything sort of together and big knots around and we can't figure out what life is. And I, I've learned something. I'm learning. So let me say it this way. I'm learning something. I haven't learned it yet. I'm learning it. Okay. I've learned that when it comes to life, we complicate life, but God simplifies life. We're complicators. God is a simplifier. Okay. That's worth writing down, by the way, okay? We complicate, God simplifies. Everything God does, he does in a simple way, okay? Now, simple doesn't mean it doesn't have depth. Simplicity means it's understandable. It may, it's, it's not beyond what we're able to do. And so we complicate, God simplifies. And I'm going to tell you today how to... Are you ready to hit the reset button? If you have some over, overly, an overly complicated life, are you ready to... To hit that reset button? I'm going to tell you how. You ready? You're not ready. You are ready. Okay. There are three things that you need to look at in your life that will always help you get back to the reset. Your, pur your purpose, your priorities, and your values. Okay. Anytime life gets complicated, you stop for a Time out. Whoa, Nelly. Let's come back and let's focus on three things. What's my purpose? What are my priorities? And what are my values? Okay. Say them with me. Purpose, priorities, and values. You get to those three things. Why am I here? Okay. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Okay. Not what I think I want to be doing with my life and all these kind of, all this other stuff. But where's God put me right now? Where's my purpose on life right now? What are my priorities? Okay. For me, my priorities are very simple. My first priority is my relationship with God. My second priority is my relationship with my wife and our family. My third priority is my relationship in working with our church, okay? And so your priorities are just, you know, that's just very simple. You don't, you can't make everything. If everything's important, nothing's important, right? And so you've got to figure out what's important to your life, okay? And then that's priorities and then values. What am I going to, what, are, what will I base my decisions upon? How will I live my life? What will be the structure of my life, my value system? What are the core values that I want to live by? Now, Jesus made life very simple for his followers. Don't think that following Jesus is complex. Now, it's not always easy to follow Jesus, but it's not complex. Are you with me here? Not always easy, but it's not complex. Listen to Jesus himself. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Everybody say simple. simple. 
That's pretty simple, isn't it? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and simply everything else will be given to you as well. So first priority, purpose, priority, value, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus made it very clear as well in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 29. Someone had come to him and said, Jesus, out of all these commandments, which is the most important? That's complicated, right? I got to figure out of all these 600 plus commandments, which one is the one I really need to focus on? What is most important? Complicate everything spiritually. And Jesus said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Everybody say simple. Isn't that pretty simple? Hey, just... Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Everything will be added. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Okay. I'll give you one more. It's not in the New Testament. It's in the, excuse me, in the Old Testament. But it's still appropriately applicable here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That's called simple, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You need a reset when your life has become overly complicated. I want to encourage you right now just to put your your notes down across all of our campuses because I'm going to bring us to a point of ministry today. I really do believe that this, uh, this series is going to be a very important one. I, I, I know that I say that probably about every series, but every series is important because each one has its own impartation to our lives. But I really want to encourage you to stay through this series with me. But we're going to start today with a commitment. And in just a moment, I'm going to actually going to have two calls today as a part of my conclusion of the message. We're not going to be here a long time. We're just about done. So, but what we're, we're on God's time today, amen? What we're doing right now is important for your life. So we want to take just a little extra moment today. And in just a bit, I want to ask you today, are you in need of a reset? I'm going to ask you to make a commitment in your life to say, you know what? I saw myself in one of those eight things today. Or maybe as I was looking through those eight things, I saw myself in eight of those things today. Or I saw myself in three of those things or whatever it might have been for you. Maybe there was something else that God brought to your mind today as I was talking about your need for a reset. And what I want to do this morning is I want to encourage you to make a commitment to God. Commitments matter. Moments in life when you say, God, you know what? I acknowledge this to you. I'm I'm willing to say, you know, I'm going to own up to this and say, you know what? I really need you to reset me. I need to do some things that will get me back on track. I want to hit the reset button as we go into these next several weeks together. Lord, I want you to show me in my life, whether it be in my emotions or these other things that I'm talk, I'll be talking about. I, I want to learn how to get on track and press that. I want to reboot my life by your power and by your grace. So I would invite you across all of our campuses, all campuses, online as well. If you'll just bow your head with me right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bow my head as well and close my eyes. I, this is. This is not about anyone today. I'm not here to actually even see your response. I want it to be a private moment because I think in the midst of the corporate environment, there are private moments when God will deal with your life. 
And I'm going to pray a prayer for you in just a bit. But if you would say this morning, God, today I heard something in my own heart and life that I know that I need to have a reset from you. Maybe it was multiple things, but I want you just to lift your hand to God right now. Again, this is private. I'm not even looking. But I want you just to take a moment and lift, keep that hand up because it's your way of saying, God, today, today, I want to start. I want to commit to some resets in my life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this morning across all of our campuses today. I pray that in the name of Jesus, that as we've heard your word this morning, as there's been just an awareness, a recognition that there are times in life when the system of our life needs to be rebooted, restarted, reset. I pray that whatever it is that you're dealing with us about today, out of these eight things we've talked about or maybe something else you've been dealing with us about, I pray, Lord, that as our hands are lifted to you this morning, that you would see our hand, God, and more importantly, that through our hand, you would see our heart. And I pray, Lord, that you would reach down in our heart today. And I pray that you would begin that process of pressing that reset button. Lord, for some of us, it may be a miracle moment today that that reset button is set and suddenly something changes in us. For others, it might be a process that we go through with you. But Lord, we pray that our lives would be reset and that you would teach us how to continually be aware of important reset moments in our life for your glory and for your honor and for your praise in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God. And we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus.
If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.